So I ought to inform anyone that's visiting, you need to understand that the guy that's standing up here has a really strange sense of humor. <laughs> and so far they've put up with it, and um, I've prayed for healing, but it hasn't happened. I just can't get rid of it. So thank you guys. By the way, I like that Nashville version of uh, Great is Your Faithfulness. Uh, that, that was like a foot stomp or a hand clapper. I don't know where you guys were, but that's what that was. So, you know, you're allowed to do that in church. Did you know that? All right, I'm just checking. Okay. All right, let me get my uh, machine working here. It's a new year, 2016. Can you believe it? I remember when I was young, I thought, you know, when I'm really old, like 35. <laughs> never thought I would see this date, you know, 2016, and still working. Anyway, so... A new hope. The asterisk means, sorry, this is not about Star Wars. Oh, see, what kind of a church is this? A really cool church because they go to movies. So anyway, but it's um, unless you use the parallel from the story. You remember when they had to go back and refit all of those original three movies, they gave it the title A New Hope, right? And uh, it was basically because there was someone who was going to be strong with the force. I know, you're waiting for Yoda, right? Because they said, that boy was our last hope. No, there is another. Yeah, remember? (laughs) In a bleak and terrible season, they're looking forward to some possibility of rescue, of transformation, of it being different. That's what A New Hope is all about, and that's why I picked the title, A New Hope, Because for us as a church, we're looking for a new season, a new history. Would you all agree with that? Uh, Looking to the future with hope, with anticipation. And uh, we're in a world that needs hope. Uh, Desperately, man can't really live without hope. We're always hoping. That's why people buy lottery tickets. There's a hope. Maybe a very misguided hope in that case, but a hope, nevertheless, that something really will sometime come through and be different. Anybody big on New Year's resolutions? You don't have to admit it here because I'm not, uh, mainly because you never do them. You know, so what's the point? Make up your mind. Maybe this is the year they've chosen, you know, I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to, I'm not meddling. I just said maybe you had a resolution. Uh, maybe you thought, I'm going to clean my closets this year. Or for those of you like me, I'm going to straighten up my desk. You know, you have a little sign that says, a neat desk is a sign of a sick mind, right? You've seen that. Or um, I'm going to save money this year. <laughs> anyway. Or maybe something seriously, you know, you're going to stop a bad habit, whatever it might be. Or fix a broken relationship. That might be a little more scary, right? I I was uh, visiting with one of the sisters in the church over the weekend, and um, we were talking about the best part of the newspaper. It's the funnies, right? uh, At least it's uplifting, usually. Uh, But I found this one. I I didn't do a very good job scanning it, but I think you can read it. Real Life Adventures, one of my favorites. And uh, the girl says to her dad, Dad, what's the star of Bethlehem? 
Well, Dad says, scientists think it was a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, but those in the know say it's a signal that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> I like the being okay one, <laughs> Dad says, me too. Isn't that great? There's all kinds of scientific explanations. None of them really fit, by the way, for those of you who do research. Uh, it's probably something remarkable, like the Bible tells us it is, but... Nevertheless, I like the being okay one, me too. The number of ways in the history of mankind God has been speaking, I'm trying to help you see that it is going to be okay. Now, it's important that you get on my agenda, but it is going to ultimately be okay. God's interested in us getting the big picture, if you will, to see the plan of God more from his perspective than from our own, because from his perspective, I can start to sense that reality that it is going to, in fact, be okay. So the passage that we heard read this morning, uh, Joe shared with us, Lamentations, the third chapter, he read a long section. I'm going to reprise the end of it at the end of the sermon, but I want to start by reminding us of the beginning. And before I put it up, it's important that you know the context of Lamentations. Doesn't, it, doesn't that sound like a great New Year's sermon right there? Lamentations. Yeah. <laughs> It's 2016, oy vey, you know. What, already, you know. But let me put it in context. We think Jeremiah wrote the Lamentations. We don't know for sure. But they're placed behind the book of Jeremiah because most likely he was the, the person who did. But it was someone who was an eyewitness to the post-judgment of God on his rebellious people. Do you remember the Old Testament story? They lived in Jerusalem. Now they're back in the land, right? Uh, today, promises are coming true that the scripture has talked about. But back then, God had promised them prosperity and blessing and all of that if he, they would just keep his rules. Which, by the way, the rules of God are not because he's a killjoy. The rules of God are because he loves us and he knows how we're wired and what will really bring us satisfaction. That's what all that stuff about sexual boundaries and stealing and not hurting people, that's what that's all about. It's not something just, he just arbitrarily made up. So they didn't obey, and he said over and over again, if you don't stop doing these bad things, I'm going to remove you from the land of promise. And guess what? When God says I'm going to do something... Not like the parent who says, now, if you do that one more time, ooh, if you do that again, ooh, you know, I just might get up, but I'm watching Oprah here. I mean, come on. So God's not like that. When he says, I've had enough, he sent prophets. They killed some of the prophets. They didn't want to hear it. He follows through. They get exiled. Jerusalem gets trashed. And this person is an eyewitness of that. He's looking at it. Listen, the only comparable picture we can get today is, imagine, and we've heard from some of these folks, a Holocaust survivor who saw it with his own eyes. And then, after watching all of that, speaks this way. This is what gives me sanity. This is what brings me back to a right mindset, he says. I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. 
for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Can you imagine? I mean, it's, it's hardcore stuff. That's why I make such great movie material. They keep putting out Bible story movies, right? They do. They don't always get it right, by the way, but they put them out. Let me talk just for a minute before we get into my points. You have in your bulletin a place if you're a note taker, and I'm going to talk about something unfailing, something unchangeable, and something unusual. Not me. Something unusual about God. I took Derek's exhortation to heart. He said, wouldn't it be good once in a while in church to talk about God? And I said, he's right. And that's who we're talking about today. I'm just teasing you, brother. It's because you're British. Anyway. (laughs) Hope in God. There's some words here. You may be interested. I didn't leave you a place to write all this down, but if you want to, you can write in your bulletin. You've got lots of note space on the other page, too. So hope in God, words that are used. A Hebrew word, you'll love it. Yachal, yachal. It means to wait for or to tarry. The first words are relating to our job. The word, I will look to God, I have hope. That word, hope, therefore I have hope. Because of what I know about God, I have hope. That word, hope, means to wait. Give you a little hint. In the New Testament, there's a word that is translated for this word. In other words, New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament got translated into Greek. It's called the Septuagint, and that would have been the Bible that was handy in the days of Jesus. The Septuagint version of this verse translates that word hope with the word, I'm just going to tell you what it is if you're interested, it's hupomone, but what it means is endurance, perseverance, standing firm, putting up with it. Not I hope so. We say gee, I hope my my tax check comes in, you know, my refund, I hope so. uh, But if I expect it, I've been told it's coming in the mail, then I hope as in I'm expecting it, I'm waiting for it, I'm enduring, I can hold fast until it comes. It's persevering, standing firm. It's a word that is used for one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's a word for enduring and being patient under trial. It's that kind of a word. In fact, let me read something from one of the commentators on this from the Daily Study Bible of uh, Professor Robert Davidson. This Hebrew word, first is how good the Lord is to those who wait for him. That's the word. Such a waiting is far from a passive acceptance of things as they are. It is a waiting marked by an eager looking forward to the fulfillment of God's purposes. In other words, I can be in a circumstance that's rotten, stinky, and yet I believe God is going to work something out of this. Now that has to come from the Spirit. Now listen to this. The same word is to be found in Isaiah 40, 31. Anybody remember that one? They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. It's that gesundheit. It's that kind of eager looking for expectation, watching for God to fulfill his purposes. So the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The next word, hesed, I'm leaving this up on the, word, on the board for a minute. His loving kindness never ceases. That word loving kindness is a great famous Hebrew word that, that David 
throughout the Psalms praises God for his faithful, loving kindness, his faithfulness to keep his commitments, to keep his promises, his loving kindness, kindness, faithfulness, mercy that is personalized to his children. That's the word that is used. One more word I want to mention. His compassions never fail. Racham, compassions, deep mercy, related to the word for the womb. You know when we talk about gut-level reactions, visceral reactions, that's very much biblical language over and over. And it's that kind of visceral, motherly compassion that God has for his children. His compassions never run out. They're inexhaustible. The tank doesn't go empty. The car doesn't die on the highway. His compassions never run out. For great Rav, like Rabbi, great one, great is your faithfulness, your steadfastness, your firmness. The last word is immuna. So if you like Hebrew words, I'll give them to you sometime. I'll email them to you if you want. Otherwise, you're saying, yeah, yeah, get on with it. Immuna, thy faithfulness. Same language that you find in the book of James. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't flip-flop. He doesn't say this is good one day and it's bad the next day. He's consistent, absolutely so. So Jeremiah is saying, I remember how you are. I get this. And that even though we're in wreckage right now, I know you have a future because you've said something glorious is going to happen in this location. Later on, it would happen. The very Messiah, God in the flesh, would come and worship in a temple in the land that had just been wiped out. So something good has got to be coming. So I hope in him. He is my portion. My job is to wait upon him, to endure. His job is to be himself to be consistent, and he always will be, to manifest his loving kindness, his deep mercies, his visceral compassion, and his great, inexhaustible, steadfast promise-keeping on our behalf. Wow, that's a mouthful, isn't it? One stinky little verse. Are you laughing? I shouldn't have said that, right? One little verse. Oh, I'm going to get letters about that one, okay. Just one tiny little verse. There, I edited it. <laughs> Hope in him. Prophets say that. Psalms say it. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in thee. O Israel, hope in the Lord. O church of God, hope in the Lord. Lean on him, press in, wait upon him. It's time for the church to hope in the Lord. We've got all kinds of machinery to make things happen. We're great at following the Madison Avenue style of building the kingdom. Guess what? Ain't working too well. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. Gives me hope. You know what you have to do? You have to make up your mind. There's some things you have to get down in your DNA spiritually. Like the the pilgrims coming over who had a hope in God, even though they lost, I think, more than half of their contingent passed away through difficulty and sickness and everything else 
trusting that God had a future for them and believed it. There's something that gets down, as, uh, as John Hammond would put it, in your DNA, in your spiritual DNA. It's part of you. And the only way you get there is usually by wrestling it down. Brothers and sisters, those of you believers, most of us are going to have to come to a point where we wrestle this sucker down to the ground. That's all there is to it. So, well, how can God? It's the classic big question, isn't it? How can a good God let all the... Yeah, I get it. That's the big, that's the big one. Creation's not a big one. Resurrection, virgin birth, those are Mickey Mouse. They're really nothing. If there's a God, the question is if he's a good God and he is, in fact, good and sovereign, do you believe that? Then I have to come to a point somewhere where I have to wrestle that down. When I face the death of a loved one, when I face destruction in my life or against something that matters to me, that's when I have to wrestle it down. A few wrestling matches and it becomes settled, becomes part of your DNA, right? I know, I keep this in mind, your steadfast love and your mercies don't run out somehow. Good is going to come out of this. All right, are we on the same page then? Let me explain to you. All I wanted to tell you today is why I have hope in God. Maybe you have hope in God too, amen? amen. You didn't have to say that just because I said amen. But here's why. There's three primary reasons. The first one comes out of the text we've been looking at, and that is God's unfailing sovereignty. I thought I'd put it on the board because uh, sovereignty is a hard word to spell. <laughs> Just is. Sometimes it's a hard word to speak. I had, I had a friend that was a, 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 professor, a philosophy doctorate, and he kept saying it's sovereignty. <laughs> I've been praying for him. Anyway... We all know, you probably know, some of you have learned um, this as a memory verse that you can quote. Romans 8.28, anybody recognize that? For we know that all things God causes all things to work for good to those who love him. For those who are called according to his purpose, he's working the whole universe's events, all of it. Somewhere along the line, we're going to be on the winning team, and we're going to see when we get to glory, this was all for the Son of God, and we're in the Son of God, therefore it's all for us to enjoy. Can you imagine? That's when I'm finally going to have my log cabin on a lake. Yeah. I'm not sure which planet it's going to be on, but I'm going to be there. I mean, think about what. Do we ever think much? You know, the early saints used to think a lot about heaven. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know. Are we going to have liberty to go to other... Time won't matter anymore. Time travel, you know, all this fascinating, you know, light speed, all that jazz. Piffle. Mickey Mouse. When we're living in the God zone, it's going to be totally other. And it doesn't mean that it's so other that we won't recognize things. We will because it tells us in the scripture we'll know one another. And that there are things that we're going to do in his kingdom work. That we don't stop serving after we die here. Did you know that? We're going to serve him forever. Oh, look at the wheels are going around. I smell wood burning. I do. <laughs> anyway, that's another. By the way, somebody I loaned a book about rewards, a little one by Davidson. I need it back. Okay. <laughs> and any other things that uh, something. Anyway, need them back. Okay. So I can quote him, right? There's something he has. We're, we're, we're learning. All right. Let me re, re, reboot. 
Okay. We are learning now. We are training now for what we're going to do in eternity. I'm really fascinated to know where on the assembly line I'm going to get put in when I get up there. It's like, whoa, okay, really that far back? Oh, I must have missed a few turns. Okay. We all know this. Let me get back on task. We all know this unfailing sovereignty verse. We know that God causes all things to work for good together for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Jeremiah is saying this in the midst of ruins in the midst of losses, in the midst of death, in the midst of no blessing. And yet, the confidence of Romans 8.28 is in his DNA. Here's how he puts it, or how the Old Testament puts it. This is the plan. We know that one verse I quote. Let me give you another verse of sovereignty. And there's bunches of them. Every one of these points I'm about to share, there's a whole series of verses that you could look at, but this is one of my favorites. Had to learn this back in seminary. This is the plan devised against the whole earth. This is the hand that is stretched out against all the nations. What's happening among the nations today? People traveling, desperately moving from place to place. There's no, nothing has slipped past him. The Lord of hosts has planned who can frustrate it. And as for his stretched out hand, who can turn it back? If he's got control over all of that, believe me, my car overheating is on the agenda somewhere. I think about what's happening with the, the massive movements of people from Islamic backgrounds going into Western lands. Yes, there's a danger. Think of the potential for the gospel at the same time. See, we miss that. You look down in the history of the, of the world, you look at Israel's history of being exiled. You look later at the Roman Empire dominating and yet bringing the Pax Romana. Every one of those things were avenues, opportunities for God to spread his good news of eternal life in Christ everywhere. He makes no mistake. Do I have that trust? If he's got his hand stretched out over the whole earth, he's got it. You know that when you have somebody who works on your team and you're saying, I'm really worried about this, and they say, I got it. If they really have it, it's great, <laughs> right? When they don't, it's like really bad. But when God says, I've got it, he's got it. When I start to panic, this is the kind of confidence that makes a Paul and Silas sitting in prison, not knowing if they're going to live till the next day, sing praises in the middle of the night. Remember, they were praising God before the earthquake happened because they got quiet with God and heard, I got it. Okay, you're sovereign. I'm going to start sweating. Every time I worry about how we're going to do as a church, Guess what God has to take me out behind the woodshed and say, <laughs> I got it. However it shakes out, I don't know. I don't totally know. I've been pretty honest with you all, right? I've said, uh, and I, I promised I wasn't going to exhort anybody today. I'm just going to preach excitement in life. Keep going. <laughs> Healthy churches. 
I said we had, at one point I said we have a one in three chance of pulling this off, right? I've said that publicly, so God's got it. He's sovereign. It's my job to wait on him. It's your job to wait on him. That's your job. It's his job to be faithful, and he will be. Let me just mention something, though. Healthy Church Trends. Uh, one of our Rainer letters, uh, Rainer on Leadership, number 186. Healthy church trends. I'll look back. I just found some things on this. Twelve trends found in healthy churches, and we want to be healthy. Amen? We do. Um, there were a number of good ones. Members are evangelistically intentional. That's an area to work on. Even Don was encouraging us this morning to work on our interrelational uh, issues. These churches do less better. I think we can work on that. But here's the three that matter relating to what we're talking about this morning. One, healthy churches have a high view of Scripture. I believe what God's Word says. I believe it. That's why I have hope in God. All right? I believe it. He's faithful. Number two, a large number of church members read the Bible daily. That's a good idea. I like that one. And here's the last one, number 12. Corporate prayer is intentional and prioritized. That's the one clear thing I heard when I got here. Start that up and do it. And when we've done it, it feels like the Spirit's been drawing near. And we need to keep doing it, amen? So that's a good thing. And I'm sorry I keep saying amen. I have not become a Pentecostal preacher, but I'm almost there. Amen. I heard that. <laughs> Healthy church trends. A high view of God, a high view of the Bible, right? What he says is true. I want to press in and lean in it. The world is screaming that it's all baloney. That's what they're telling us all the time, which is why I need to hope in God and press in to be with God and hear him say, I got it. Next thing, after his amazing sovereignty is unchangeable grace. Oh, did I skip one? There it is. Unchangeable grace. Unfailing sovereignty. He will always be in charge. He's not going to fall off his throne. The world is not going to get ultimately out of control, even though it feels like it. And we're feeling more and more of that in the U.S., are we not? It's shaky. I think it's getting worse. In fact, I expect it to, which means there are greater days of opportunity ahead for the church, just like Back in the days of the Roman Empire, the church won the day. And boy, do I need wisdom to figure that one out. Unchangeable grace. The Spirit will press you forward into Christ-likeness if you really belong to him. Did you hear what I said? The Spirit of God will be pressing you toward Christ-likeness if you really belong to him. So you wonder why there are struggles. You wonder why I, I have to wrestle with certain things. Why at this many years into my Christian walk, which is 40 years, he's still going, uh, that's stinky. You've got to get rid of that. Oh, man. I mean, I really thought by now I'd be perfect. <laughs> Hey, I know better, okay? But some of us do not always. 
He's still pressing me toward Christ's likeness. It's up to me whether I want to cooperate with it, make that a slow, ugly, painful process, or if I want to enjoy the process. It's up to me. Because believe me, one day you're going to be made just like him. So how bad do you want the shock to be when it comes? <laughs> Get the idea? I'm having fun with you. Okay, so, but it's true. What I'm saying is true. Think about the New Year's resolutions, right? This is the time for New Year's resolutions. Everybody wants to do it. There was some comic about, um, and I, I forgot, I put it in recycle and it's gone, I think, but it was like the wife comes out in the morning and here's the guy sitting at the table with every bit of leftover food from the weekend, you know, he's shoveling it in and she goes, well, so much for your diet, you know, forget it, you're not going to keep it. They have ads on the news right now for, uh, you know, sign up for a gym and do it. Go to the gym. And what happens? And people peter out, right? They continue to peter out. And that's one of our frustrations as Christians. We, we try to pull ourselves up, right? And we say, I'm going to really work harder at this or I'm going to do that. And, and, and it pfft. last couple of weeks, peters out didn't stick with my Bible reading, or whatever it was that I thought would be good for me spiritually. The good news is the Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is in and for us. i got to make one clarification because I do believe that there is a heresy around. And when I say it's around, I mean it's here too. Here, here. And that is the heresy that of what is called, and I, you've heard me say it before, and I'm going to keep preaching it until God tells me to shut up. That is the heresy of what is called easy believism. Anybody ever heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? He called it cheap grace. Anybody remember that phrase? And here's what it, here's what it looks like. Oh, how do I become a Christian? Pray this prayer. I pray this prayer. Now I'm a Christian. And I say because I showed you how to pray the prayer. Oh, yeah, he's a Christian. Mm, I don't know yet. Not until I see the evidence of what? Except a man or woman be born again, there should be a... What does it say? Except a man or woman be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. There's a new birth that happens. That's what the gospel is all about. Stamp thine image in its place. Remember the, the Christmas carol? Hark the herald angels sing, right? Adam's likeness now we face. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Hark the herald angels sing. See, I know all those songs. But anyway, do you follow what it's saying? It's preaching the gospel. Those songs are preaching the gospel. And the gospel is... New birth has to take place. Magical prayers, that's a deception. You might as well go to a, an officious church that dribbles stuff on you and makes things happen, think magic's going to happen. It doesn't work that way. I'm not trying to be offensive in any way. I'm saying we have put our trust in the wrong things too many times. If I am born from above, then the Holy Spirit will be pressing you toward Christ-likeness. Transformation. 
Romans. I'm confident, brethren, that the Holy Spirit is able to minister through you. You can teach and admonish one another. John says to his disciples, you have the Holy Spirit. You don't need somebody to instruct you. The Spirit will give you discernment, all of that. Who is he talking about? He's talking about a living relationship that is transformational. All that you need for life and godliness has been provided for you. These are all verses in the scripture talking about what has been embedded in us if we belong to him. And here's one of my very favorites. Great book. I'll probably preach on it soon. I am quite confident of the one who began a good work in you will go on completing it until the day of Jesus Christ comes. Recognize that? He who began a good work in you. I think uh, Mr. Green sang that song, as a matter of fact. Steve Green. Philippians 1.6. That, by the way, is the New Jerusalem version, just in case it doesn't sound familiar. But it's saying the same point. I'm quite confident the one who began a good work in you will go on completing it until the day of Jesus Christ comes. Confidence in the truly transformed... I have observed over the years multiple reactions to sin, temptation, exhortation, rebuke, correction, whatever it might happen to be. Sometimes people don't want to be pushed toward what the scripture says and they just get huffy and they're done with that. And How many people have you met? Oh, I tried Christianity or I tried going to church and then something happens. Yeah, oh, something happens all the time. It's totally up to you what you want to do with it. The people that I know, the Spirit of God is embedded in their DNA. When I see them get off on a bad bunny trail, I pray into that because I know God's going to bring them back. And you know what he does? He does bring them back because that life is in them. And they can't stay happy there. just doesn't work for you. just doesn't. These two are enough. This uh, unchangeable grace, this fabulous sovereignty, they're enough for us to function and to look ahead into the future with hope and expectation that God might do something on our behalf. They are enough. But thankfully, once in a while, God says, I'm going to give you a little extra help. I'm going to push the agenda forward with unusual workings. There's a passage in the scripture that goes like this in the book of Hebrews. It says, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Anybody recognize that line? Well, here's the rest of it. It goes like this. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. It's talking about the apostles. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. The foundation of the church was built on the message of the gospel and it was confirmed that God was working with them. Now I know a million questions are going through your heads right now, right? How much of it is whack out, nutcase things, blah, 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 and there are some. But does God ever do that? Yes, he does. Does he move things forward in a remarkable way at times? Yes. I remember um, when I was still back in Tucson, I had a lady come to my church one day, and she said, "Um, I'm here so that you can introduce me to Jesus. I said, fantastic. Then she was saying, yeah, everybody's wondering what happened next, right? She's saying, okay, so like, where is he? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
So we start talking. I find out she comes out of a spiritism background where she saw spirits. So introduce me to Jesus. Now let me tell you something. Somebody like that in your Bible study group really makes it exciting. <laughs> Their questions and answer sessions are awesome. And you better have some good Bible Jesus stuff in there, you know. To I had a young lady in our church who thought she was going to go crazy, literally thought she was heading for, um, yeah, institutionalization. That's what she thought because of the strange things that she was seeing and having happen in her home. And we found that it was the work of the enemy because of some things she had dabbled in. You can read about this stuff. This is not a secret. We're just ignorant of most of it. It's hidden. Hell is a conspiracy. And the first necessity of a conspiracy is that it remains hidden underground. Praying through, seeing the finger of God, the Holy Spirit freeing, illumining the mind, bam, breaking the curse, if you will. She walked in complete freedom. It spread through her whole family. It was like, wow, we're not really crazy. Isn't that good news? And I don't know, I may have just said something that might trigger someone saying, oh, my gosh, that really happens, and somebody would actually believe me? Yes, the answer is yes, I would believe you. Unusual workings. God testified to it by signs, wonders, and miraculous deeds, gifts of the Spirit, distributed according to his will. Occasionally, when we're a little stuck, you know, regular sovereignty, if you will, that wonderful sovereignty, and the unchanging grace that's always available, trying to push me as a Christian closer to the personality of the Lord Jesus, we get stuck anyway, God mercifully sometimes shows up and injects a little bit of the supernatural because, because God is supernatural. And why should we be surprised? I mean, you have to be discerning, but why should I be surprised? So there's hope, right? It's an attention getter, <laughs> and it gives glory to God. You know? Don't have time to unpack all of that. But there's hope for his plan. Because of all of this, my last point today is simply that there is hope for the plan of God. His sovereign plan that is stretched out over the whole earth includes the growing of his church, his church enfolding more and more people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, people group that look different, smell different, eat differently, all of that, gathering it into one phenomenal forever family. That's what God's in the business of. My question is, if I'm waiting on God, am I cooperating with him in that? Because if I am, then I know why I'm here. I do know why I'm here. There's hope for his plan. Even in the disinterested, unbelieving U.S. of A. It is a hard time for churches. Most of them are closing. Do you do understand? This church left to itself will be one of those churches. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm saying that's the way it's going. There are those occasionals. There are those... You know, mega churches and some that have, I believe many of them have paid it forward in the prayer closet and God has shown up and they're riding a wave of the Spirit drawing people in. It's amazing to watch because I've seen it. But it's a tough time, but not for God. <laughs> 
My wife and I speak life to each other every so often. I need a lot of life speak to me. And um, one of the thoughts that uh, has been rolling around is that it was probably um, Sand uh, Chambers or one of those guys, you know, my utmost for his highest, that I don't remember exactly, though, so don't quote me on it, that basically when I get hopeless and when I'm looking to the future with how bleak it is, it's because I've left God out of the equation. But with God, there's hope. And here's one of the best statements I know to show you that Jesus intends life and hope. Upon this rock, Peter. When he's talking to Peter, and some people think that's a reference to the Pope, for example, but it probably isn't, but it's about his faith, his statement that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the one who is supposed to come into the world. Now, on that confession of faith, Peter, I'm going to build my church, and even the councils, the gates of hell, shall not overpower it. It's going to prevail. It's going to win. So maybe there's hope for us, amen? (laughs) Hope for me. That's why I approach a new year. I'm like, we always really, deep down, we're we're wired to want to hope. We're wired to. And as believers especially, our wiring should hope in God. Can you imagine? God in his sovereignty knew exactly what he was doing. Jeremiah, like, I get that. You know what you're doing. Right now, all I see is rubble. This is a mess but somehow you're going to work it out. The early church, if you ever read the book of Acts, when the first persecution broke out, the church was scattered out of Jerusalem. That's where they were meeting. That had to look like the end. Oh, my goodness, we're all under attack. Ah, Run for your lives. What happened? God spread the gospel in churches all over Asia Minor, all over the Middle East. God knew what he was doing. We don't always, but he knows what he's doing, and therefore we have hope. So, as Jeremiah went on, let me read it to you. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. And all of God's people said... And we're going to wait for God, and we're going to continue to pray, and we're going to continue to ask him to help us and to lead us into the future. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we close in prayer. By the way, I've uh, tried to be fairly clear about what it means to be a born-again child of God. And if you're wondering about that and want to nail that down or understand it or have clarity or just ask questions or disagree, whatever, I'll be available. I'd be glad to talk with you. And if you want to secretly sneak out and make an appointment, there's little cards in the pews that say, Pastor John, I'd like to blah, blah, blah. Just drop it in the little box in the foyer. We'll get back to you. Promise. Okay? Everybody good? Good. Praise God. Let's, Let's pray. Our hope is in you. I do not have a lot of confidence, God, in all the programs of men. There are some great things out there. We've been able to do some good things. We're in one of the most amazing historical sections of uh, your history. This uh, time that may be very much close to the end, to the time when you show up and set everything right, and won't that be a relief? 
And we're in this phenomenal country that has produced so much, that has sent missionaries around the globe in our past history, and that today now is having missionaries sent to us. <clears throat> what an amazing time. Sometimes terrifying. And yet, God, as Jeremiah would say, I bring this to mind. I bring to mind that your loving kindness is better than life itself. That your mercies, your visceral compassion for your children never goes dry. That your mercies are new every morning. Your chesed, your faithful covenant-keeping promise and faithful unwavering nature is every morning when I get up, it's exactly the same. I have wandered off, I have dreamt poorly, or I have lived my day badly and have gotten myself in the mud. But when I come back and get quiet with you, you say, I got it. Are you going to trust me? Thank you for that, God. Would you sink down into our DNA what a good and sovereign God you are and a God worth serving for your glory and for your honor. Fill us with thoughts of yourself and your magnificence and the fact that you know the end from the beginning. Give hope to us because of that, as in we wait upon you with endurance and even excitement to see what you're going to do. Lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, God. Put your angels around your people in this new year. I never take for granted your mercies in that. Please bless your people and this assembly. Bring us back together next week for a great time of worship and celebrating you. In the name of Jesus, we all pray together and all of the saints of God said, Amen and Amen. God bless you and have a great day. Happy New Year to you. Okay.